Welcome to Center Ice. It is August 25th, and it's crazy how time flies. It feels like the first round was just starting yesterday, and yet here we are in the midst of round two, the NHL wasting no time getting round two going. As soon as round one finished, we thought, okay, we're going to get a few days of a break here, but no, the NHL, we're going to get right to round two. Dallas, Colorado go right ahead, and I am pretty happy about that because it's nonstop hockey. Lots of stuff for Mac and I to talk about. We're going to give you a quick recap on what happened in round one, our thoughts, and we'll give you our picks for round two. Mac, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great. I have a day off. I'm uh, just resting and relaxing today, planning on watching probably both of the games later. Hopefully the, uh, the later game is better than the first game was because I'll be honest, I was way too tired to watch the whole thing but i saw early on that it was all vegas so i said okay i'll i'll watch the rest of the game some other time and i mean credit to them they absolutely dominated that game mm-hmm, absolutely it wasn't even close but i'm not too worried about the canucks yet and we'll get to them in a few minutes but i'm not overly worried most teams will have a stinker at some point in the playoffs it's just a matter of how did your team come out the game after. And as long as the Canucks put out a good effort tonight, I'm not going to be overly concerned about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they haven't played like that really all all playoff long, in my opinion. Like, So if you drop a game like that, yeah, it sinks. But I think pretty much every team has had a game like that in the playoffs so far. I mean, even Vegas has had games where they haven't been that great. Um, so... So, yeah, I mean, before we get into the whole episode, we have to talk about the trade that happened this morning. And it's weird saying this because we have trades going on while the playoffs are going on. We're not used to that. But I think, I mean, this trade is a real head scratcher, isn't it? The Maple Leafs and Penguins agreeing on a deal that sends Kasperi Kapanen to Pittsburgh, back to Pittsburgh, I should say. That's the team that originally drafted him. Yeah, and uh, I I think we all knew after the Leafs got eliminated in round number, well, the play-ins, I should say, I think we all knew that something was going to come. I didn't expect it to be this. I don't think anyone did. Um, I I will say here, though, Mac, uh, you know, there are some other pieces involved in here, but what it essentially boils down to this trade is the Penguins giving a first overall First round pick, it's going to be 15th overall for Kasperi Kapanen. That's that's yeah. basically what it boils down to. There's yeah. a few other pieces in there, but those are the two important ones going back and forth here. And here's the thing. The the first round pick, if and this is nothing against Kasperi Kapanen, Mac, and of course, as you would say, you're a former Leaf fan now, you would know more about Kapanen than I would. So Kapanen to me, is a solid depth player, and he can put up a decent amount of points in the in the bottom six, but I wouldn't give up a first-round pick to, for Kasperi Kapanen, would you? No, and this isn't the first time he's no. given up a first-round pick for a player that's really not that good. You know, remember Ryan Reeves? Like, <laughs> Yep. I, I mean, this is... If you're a Penguins fan, this is really concerning because... I'm not saying Kasperi Kapanen's a bad player, but 
I don't think you had to give up a first-round pick for him. I, I think the Leafs would have told you that they weren't expecting that kind of return for him. I mean, you basically just cleared some cap space, acquired a top-20 pick, and got the second-best prospect in the Penguin system. This makes no sense. None. No. Uh, you know, no wonder Kyle Dubas is getting so much praise in Toronto. He's, he's basically, and don't get me wrong, he's a great GM, Mac, but... Any G- of the other 30 GMs in the league, if that offer came to their table, they'd be stupid to turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's including Doug Wilson there, Mac. <laughs> and and this is a good move for, for Pitts, sorry, for Toronto in many ways here, Mac, because not only do you get that first round pick, which now now you've got a pick in the first round, which you didn't before, but you've also cleared some cap space. You, I believe they cleared three point two million. It is it. It's something like that. It's a decent amount of cap space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with that cap space, uh, I'd expect Dubis to take that money and reallocate it to getting probably a a free agent defenseman, depending on who's available at what price. Because as we mentioned in our last episode, the the big thing the Leafs really struggled on was defense in that series. And it shouldn't be too hard to get a step up from Cody Cece and Tyson Berry. Yeah, I think defense, goaltending, and just compete level are things the the Leafs should trying to be uh, try to be acquiring and you know obviously improving as we go into next season. But enough of that. Um, you wanted to say something about the Flames and that catastrophic defeat. When they were up three nothing in the first period and came out, may have played their best period all season, and then they just they stopped playing. Oh man, uh, uh, Calgary Mac. You know, a lot of what I'm about to say is going to ring very similar to what you said about the Leafs a couple weeks ago. Because although they aren't quite in identical situations, there's a lot of similarities between the two teams. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. invested heavily in your forward core. And you've got some guys that have performed well in the regular season, but come playoff time, you know, the compete level just isn't there. And the frustrating thing about the Flames, just like the Leafs, is we know these guys can play better. We've seen them when they're at their best. Just look at how they played against Winnipeg. And maybe Winnipeg gave us, them beating Winnipeg gave us, you know, a false sense of hope here, Mac, because <laughs> they beat a Jets team without Shifley or Line. And True. You know, they they certainly made them look better than they did. But, you know, Monaghan, Goudreau, Giordano, they weren't anywhere to be seen. They were Yeah. I I'm not gonna blame this entirely on Talbot because Talbot, to his credit, I think he played admirably in this series. He didn't play as well as he did against the Jets, but I think he played well enough to give the Flames a chance to win pretty much every game with the exception of Game 6. And the most frustrating thing for me from this series for the Flames is you had a Game 2, which you could have won. If it was close down to the end. Imagine, Calgary goes up 2-0, Mac. I don't think Dallas comes back and wins that series. And then, of course, in Game 5, it's a close game to right to the end. And Calgary had a lead, and they let it slip. And just, same with the Game 6. Game 6, as you mentioned... They came out, they had one of their best periods, I'd say, in years. And, I, <laughs> you know, I, I think 
weren't you telling me uh, you were texting a friend who's and you said, you know, watch Calgary pull a Calgary or something. <laughs> and he texted you back a period later. Yeah, Calgary, uh, they just absolutely imploded. Heads have got to roll here, Mac. Changes are coming. I've already heard lots of rumors, as I'm sure you have, about Monaghan and Gaudreau gone. I think they need to be gone. And I think even if Matthew Kachuk was available for the final game, it wouldn't have made a difference. Calgary was going to blow that regardless. And, yeah, no, that's I agree with that. that and just like thing to point out, and I'll, I'll end on this, Mac. Just like the Leafs, the Calgary Flames need to take a a big step back this off season and do a total reevaluation of everything that's going on because Calgary, just like the Leafs, have been a playoff contender for the past few years and they just can't get out of round one. I, I don't count their play. Honestly, Mac, I don't count their play-in series as a playoff series win because that's the play-ins. That's to get to the playoffs. And if you don't count that, their most recent series win is in 2014 against Vancouver. And then before that, it would be 2004. So Calgary's a team that's, despite having really good players like Giordano, Aguila, Kippersoft, Kachuk, they just can't get out of round one. And then one more interesting fact here, Mac, as I'm mm-hmm. sure you saw on the broadcast, it's been over 16 years since Calgary has won a game two. The last time they did it, San Jose in 2004 when they went to the cup final. It's, wow. That just, that's, that's a statistic to me that speaks for itself because yeah. it, just, it just shows you the level of inconsistency Calgary has had when they've made the playoffs, they they don't seem to have a problem getting in. But when they get there, their stars just aren't performing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I wanted to ask you, because I know you're more of kind of a Flames fan than I am. You know, I'm not a Flames fan at all. If you're in charge here, who's staying, who's going? Like, mm-hmm. you have a real interesting mix of players here. There's some older guys, there's some younger guys, there's some guys who haven't really reach their full potential yet, who do you want to stay and who do you want to go? Oh, well, that's a very good question, Mac. And I think that's the million-dollar question here because you could make a case for pretty much everyone staying or going. And I think the automatic one that you know is going to stay is Matthew Kajak. He's not going anywhere. I I think Giordano, he'll probably stay. I think Hannafin will stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been hearing mixed reports on the goaltending, though, Mac, and this is what's interesting. Calgary... Might shuffle the goaltending carousel again. That's a real possibility. If I'm Calgary, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to make that move in goaltending because I think Talbot served you admirably, and I think Riddich, although he didn't really get any playing time, we know Riddich and Talbot in a tandem is quite good. And I, I don't think you need to make a big change on goaltending. For once, I think that's one of the few things Calgary doesn't have to do. To do now on who's going, there's a. There can be a very long list on this, Mac, but mm-hmm. I, I think your top priority this offseason is trading Gaudreau and Monaghan, and I think a lot mm-hmm. of Calgary Flames fans would tend to agree with me on that because, look, they're both solid players. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, it's a kind of a what have you done for me lately, and particularly yeah. come playoff time, Calgary could certainly use some more depth, particularly in the forward group, you know, after... Monahan, Gaudreau, Kachuk, it certainly kind of drops off. 
in parts. And I think that Calgary could use some better forward depth and it would free up some cap too. I think that's another important thing. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure what the market would demand for a guy like Monaghan. I think it'd be somewhat similar to what the Canucks were giving, what the Canucks gave up for Tyler Toffoli, something in mm-hmm. that range, maybe mm-hmm. a little more, maybe a little less. Cause there are some similarities between the two and, and Johnny Gaudreau, that's a tough one. For me, because Johnny Gaudreau is a good player, but is he one? And I'll ask, I'll shoot one right back at you, Mac. Okay. Is Johnny Gaudreau the type of player? If you're a GM, is Johnny Gaudreau the type of player that makes players better around him, or is he a complimentary piece in your eye? Oh, that that's a good question. I I think he makes players better, but he's just. He's very streaky is is something that I've noticed with him. Like he's either kind of on fire and he's he's really going or he's like invisible. You know, there's really no in between with him and he's had great seasons before. You know, he has pretty good numbers um at the NHL level, but this year he was not very impressive in my opinion. I didn't notice a lot from him in the playoffs. Um and yeah, the playoffs is a different animal, but you know, him and Monaghan, they basically go as they go. You know, if Monaghan's not going, Gaudreau's not going, um, and vice versa. And I think you mentioned Monaghan as well. I mean, Sean Monaghan is a fine player, but he's not a good defensive center, and he relies on Gaudreau to, to put up points. So, yeah, I think you really have to make the move there. And, and you have Kachuk, as you mentioned. You have Rasmus Anderson. You have Elias Lindholm, Hannafin. You have some good pieces there. Um, the biggest issue with the Flames, yes, it is goaltending, and I have a fun fact for you in a second, but prospects. I mean, you need to really improve your farm system. Like, I've heard they're a bottom five farm system, and this is from Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. Well, Mac, no the, way the more about prospects than we would, right? He had them ranked mm-hmm. as 26th in the league. That's really low. Yeah, that is extremely low. The cupboards are barren is what it is, Mac. And they have been for quite a while. He, Calgary's had some hits with Gaudreau and Monaghan and, and Anderson. But really, for the most part, a lot of the younger prospect-type players you're getting, you're acquiring in trades. You aren't scouting them and gro- growing them through your system. That's something Calgary absolutely needs to look at. And the the other decision Calgary needs to make is what do they want to do with Jeff Ward? Because <clears throat> I think he coached all right, but I, I think that there will be better coaches out there. And I think Calgary needs a bit of a culture shift and yep. moving yeah. completely on from the Bill Peters saga would be a good move for them. And <clears throat> there's going to be a better coach out there, no doubt. So yeah, changes, for are, sure. changes are coming in Calgary, and I think that they're going to – be bigger changes than some people might expect. Okay, now I, I want to have some fun here before we finish on the Flames, okay? All right. Here's the decision for me and kind of an issue that's been a long, a long time going for the Flames, and that's they haven't had a true number one since Kiprasov retired after 2012-2013, right? Yep. So they've had 14 goalies since then that have seen time in net. 14. 
And now I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Okay. In the 2012 NHL draft, the Flames held the 14th overall selection and were in position to take an elite young goaltender at the time. They traded that pick to Buffalo for a couple of draft picks and selected Mark Jankowski, 21st overall, and Patrick Seeloff, 42nd overall. Jankowski has not done much at the NHL level, and Seeloff is an AHL defender. So, hey, Matt, do you know who that goalie might be by any chance? Uh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, Mac. I, you know, <laughs> it, uh, what's his name? You've definitely uh, heard of him. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I know that much. You know what? I'm just going to pull up the draft here myself, Mac. No point <laughs> wasting the time. Uh, you said 14th overall in which year? 2012. All right. This guy was second. still on the board for some reason. Yeah, don't you hate it when it's on the tip of your tongue and you just can't for the life of you? Uh, would that be uh, Gergensen's? No. Nope. Or uh, what's his name? Vasilevsky. That's it, Vasilevsky. See? I mean, I I don't usually criticize GM's decisions at the draft, but that one for me made no sense and that goes for a lot of the gms that were like vasilevsky going to that draft year was the best goalie by far and he was performing at an elite level at the world championships and a lot of people thought there was something special in this guy and somehow he kept sliding and sliding and teams were trading down and picking forwards and defensemen and there you have vasilevsky who falls to yeah. the Tampa Bay lightning and how many teams could have used him in that draft? A lot. Mm -hmm. So, Wait. yeah, that, that decision has really hurt the Flames. But, you know, that's not the only decision that's hurt the Flames. And I think, Matt, I think you have to evaluate Tree Living here. Like, is he the right GM yeah. for this team? Like, I don't think he's been a great GM myself. No, uh, I mean, he's had a few decent deals, like, Getting Hannafin was a pretty good deal. I mean, you know, I'd say it evened out. But that was a decent move for him. But other than that, he really hasn't done much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's move on to the Capitals really quick. We don't have as much to say about the Capitals, but let's let's break things down very plain and simple. The Capitals got absolutely smoked by the Islanders. It wasn't even close. They were taking penalties. They were frustrated. You know, really the big guns were not there for Washington. And Braden Holtby was not good at all. And I think, you know, he's probably done in Washington, A, because he's not that good anymore, and B, because you have Samsonov, of course, who's your, your future goalie. Um, but, I mean... The Capitals are an old team. Yes, they've won a Stanley Cup. You know, their forwards, average age is 30, defense 28.4, goalies 26.5. You don't have a lot of good prospects. Scott Wheeler had them 29th best in the league as a team. And you have some good young players like Vrana, Samsonov, Connor McMichael, and some others. But, you know, in my opinion, if you're a Caps fan, I think you need to go for a bit of a youth movement here, and I think you need to get 
a coach who has a defensive system because Todd Reardon, who was recently fired, did not have that. And, you know, he was playing with an older team against a much younger Islanders team. And obviously, you know, Barry Trotz is an excellent coach. He, he just flat out outcoached him. But the Capitals' even strength are not a good team. They're basically mm-hmm. only dangerous on the power play. And, like, and they, I, they got the one play not, on the power play. Yeah, exactly. It's not a realistic plan to say, okay, we're going to be power play specialists and, you know, squeak into the playoffs. But here's the other thing, Matt. It's not just that. Every other team in their division is getting better and they're getting worse. So you better do something soon or else this team is going to continue to decline. Yeah, you're right. And before we get into this a little farther, Mac, I got to say, I called it. <laughs> you you had did. Your well done. You did. I mean, the rest of my bracket is probably an absolute mess at this point. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I got one. I wouldn't call it an upset, really. But I don't. I didn't expect the Islanders to beat them in, in five. I thought they were going to beat them in six. But yeah, only yeah. Boy, the the Capitals just looked flat out there. And I think that you gotta you gotta retool. And they're already starting to make some moves. They fired Todd Reardon yesterday, and good move. I think that was the right move. Um, ever since he's come in, you know, the the best way I can describe the Capitals since they won the Cup, Mac, is they've kind of been on neutral, and you know, mm-hmm. they're ro- and they've gotten to the bottom of the hill, and they're just kind of rolling, you know, and they're losing speed, and they're losing it pretty quickly. And they got to get the car back in the drive here, Mac. And unless they make a youth movement soon, I don't think it's going to happen because, you know, you got back Backstrom, which was a big boost for the Capitals. But even then, you know, he didn't really do as much as you would have liked him to do. And then Ovi had an okay series. But overall... Let me... Quickly about Ovi, I mean... Ovi's had times when he has been a valuable two-way player. Like, I think the biggest one is that Stanley Cup run under Barry Trotz, who basically said, listen, I know how talented you are as a scorer, but I need you to play defense too, and I want you to hit and and be difficult to play against. Since they got rid of Trotz, he's back to a one-dimensional player. He doesn't play defense. He just floats around on the power play and even strength, and... And that's it. That's not a valuable thing in the NHL. Yeah, it's great that you could score, you know, 40, 50 goals. And, you know, that's just a a talent and a testament to the hard work he does. But, I mean, if you're the Islanders, basically, unless he has a wide open shot, which he had, you know, not that many times in the series, you're just basically neutralizing him and blocking all his shots on the power play. Therefore, he's pretty much useless. So that's yeah. an issue too, right? Yeah, and I guess the best thing that happened for Ovi the past few days is the he's the cover athlete of NHL twenty one. And oh. Uh, oh if you if if you want to hear a rant, Mac and I could probably do a whole show on our how we just despise what EA's done with the NHL game. And I think we'll save yeah, that for another yeah, episode. Yeah, let's save that for another episode. You know, maybe closer to when that terrible game gets released. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, let's get on to the second round matchups. Um, all of these series have started. 
So let's start with the Islanders and Flyers. I mean, what are you seeing in this one so far? Oh, well, what I'm seeing is Barry Trotz once again working his magic. The the Flyers really, I think you and I are riding pretty high on them coming into the playoffs. And, you know, with the we way were. they play. Yeah. I don't think any, I can't fault anyone for riding high on them because going into the playoffs, they were playing fabulous in round robin. They smoked everyone they met. And then you play Montreal, and when Montreal took the first, took the one game, I think most people were saying, okay, well, most of us weren't expecting it to be a sweep because of Carey Price. He's playing out of his mind. And then Montreal starts to make it closer and closer, and mm-hmm. really, Philly almost blew it, if you yeah. think about it. Yeah. That, that fact gets ignored here, Mac. It should, if Carey Price had made you know, one more save, it would have been a game seven. And who knows what would have happened there. I, I think Montreal could have absolutely shot the hockey world again. Let's not kid ourselves. The Philadelphia Flyers, with the exception of Carter Hart, have not been good these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Islanders have been a very good team. We mentioned that Trotz has been outcoaching everyone. Guys like Barzell, Pajot, Barlamov played very well. The people you want to step up during playoff times for the Islanders are stepping up. And I really think the Islanders are going to win this series. I think that's a universal pick here between you and I, Mac. If you asked us a week ago before Philly really started slipping, I think we both would have said without hesitation, the Flyers, but with everything that's going on right now, I I'm going to have the Islanders win this one in six, Mac. Yeah, I I agree with you on the Islanders pick. I was just really impressed by how well they played in the the Washington series. And, you know, people say the Islanders are boring, but I don't think so. I mean, they're not – they don't play the system like the Blue Jackets play, where it's kind of just pure defense and, you know, a hard forecheck and a little bit of offense. They have way more offense than Columbus. Uh, The goaltending is as good or better. And they're young. They're fast. All the players can defend. And I think they're a really fun team to watch. So, yeah, like, you look at how well they're playing and how much of a statement you made in that first game. You know, I don't, I don't see them losing this series. And I agree with what you said. Like, the Flyers have been a huge disappointment so far. I mean, they basically came into the playoffs the hottest team, maybe except for Vegas going to the playoffs. I mean, they were dominating people in the seeding games. And then the playoffs start, and you get matched up with Montreal. And I think they probably didn't expect Montreal to put up as much of a fight as they did. But at the same time, like like you said, Carter Hart was carrying them throughout that series. I think the last uh, 10 minutes of the elimination game, they were basically in their own end for the entire 10 minutes and somehow pulled off the win. Like, that is not a recipe for success. Yeah, you're right. And just on the Islanders one more time, Anthony Bavillier's had a really good time in the ball. He's, he didn't get any points last night, Mac, but he's been putting up some great statistics beforehand. He's been getting nice shots. He's been doing all the little things. I'm very impressed with what he's been doing. And of course, JG, I can't, I can't go talking about the Islanders in the playoffs without talking about JG Pajot 
I think it's become becoming clearer and clearer, Mac, as his career goes along. If JG Pajot makes the playoffs, watch out because he's going to put up a lot of points. I forget the exact total per se, but I think it's eight or nine points in these playoffs so far, and he's just looking like he's going to get hotter and hotter as these go playoffs go along. The Islanders, no reason why they they shouldn't beat the Flyers here. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, let's let's go to the next Eastern Conference series, and this one so far has been. As close as it gets. I mean, 3-2 win for Boston in Game 1, but that could have gone either way. And You know, I think this series is is going to be tight. It's probably going to go six or seven games. But, I mean, what adjustments did the Tampa Bay Lightning have to make going into Game 2 to come away with a win here? Now, this is the one series I didn't really get a chance to watch a whole lot of, Mac. But I think... As you mentioned, it's a very close series. Uh, obviously, I think if you tighten up your defense a little more, that's going to always make a difference. I think you got to get to Halak more. Halak, very impressive. I think that he came in in a tough situation when Tukarask abruptly left. And since he's been the starting goaltender for the Bruins, he's been looking real good. A 239 goals against average with a 919 save percentage to complement three shutouts, that's pretty darn good. And we both know that the Lightning have a lot of scorers, and I think from watching Lightning games, Mac, the, the Lightning, just like the Leafs, are at their best when they stop trying to be pretty and start trying to drive to the net and put in the garbage goals, because that's how you're going to beat the Boston Bruins, with the way the Bruins' defense is, the way they check, mm-hmm. the way they block shots, the way Halak's been playing, you're not going to score a whole lot of pretty goals in this series. Yeah. And the, the one thing I will give the Lightning credit for, we mentioned this in their first round series, Matt, is that the Lightning have gotten more physical, and I think that does give them, I wouldn't quite say an advantage, but it certainly gives them a real good shot at beating the Bruins here. Uh, this is going to be the closest series. This is the toughest one for me to call, and I just got to say this quickly, Mac. Uh, the Boston Bruins basically basically caught us both off guard because <laughs> in the play-ins, the Boston Bruins just did not look good at all. They they looked old, they looked slow, they weren't scoring, they weren't defending, they weren't blocking, they were just kind of skating around and hitting people. And I thought that was going to continue, and I'm pretty, and you did as well, and We've been proving completely wrong yet again. And Austin, to, to me, this, this is really, really tough to call. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Boston in seven. But cool. it's, honestly, I could flip a coin here, Mac, and that could make up my prediction. But I think the Boston Bruins with their physicality and I think a little more experience here will just, just edge out the lightning. But... I'm really tempted to take the Lightning as well, but my gut says Boston, so I'm going to go with Boston. Yeah, I mean, going into the series, I kind of thought Tampa Bay, but, you know, not by a lot. I think I think I was tempted to pick Tampa Bay in seven, but I think the biggest issue for Tampa Bay against a team like Boston is that Boston will force you to play a full 60-minute game. 
And if you have any lulls in your play, they will punish you for them. You know, they have enough offensive talent and they have good goaltending with a lack, even though, you know, Tuka Rask, some would say is the better goalie. Halak has a great playoff resume and continues to play really well. So I just, I think their defensive play is better. You know, not a ton better, but the system they play is better. I think, I do think Bruce Cassidy is probably a better coach than John Cooper. And I think John Cooper is a good coach. I think Bruce Cassidy is just better. And the other thing is you have the perfection line, which is pretty much unstoppable. Like, I think John Cooper came out after game one. He, was, he said, we had a plan to stop them. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds like pretty much every NHL team trying to shut down that line since they came into existence. So, yeah, I'm going to agree Bruins. I'm going to say Bruins in six because I think they have, they have that uh, – they know they don't want to go to a long series against Tampa Bay because, remember, Boston did not fall that short of winning the Stanley Cup last year, and it's going to be tough for them to win it this year. But they're basically bringing back a very similar team, and they might even be better. So, yeah, as much as I would like to say Tampa Bay, I, I have to go with Boston. Oh, there's my cat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ah, home studios. Aren't they great? <laughs> All right. Let's yeah, he's like, why, what are you doing? Why aren't you paying attention to me? He's just like jumping all over my keyboard right now. Hey. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, Max, dealing with Charlie, we will move on to our next series here, Mac. And I think this is the series that probably has the most on the line for us and kind of in a funny way. Now, as many as you, of you know, Mac and I are big Simpsons guy. We quite often reference The Simpsons on this show, and we often watch a lot of the classic episodes together. And when it came to Colorado-Dallas, Mac and I were just haphazardly talking as Calgary was blowing in against the Stars, and we kind of said, you know, Colorado has been playing very well lately. They've got so much firepower, McKinnon, and... Landis Cog and all these other guys, Kadri's playing out of his mind. So both of us kind of agreed. Dallas, you know, they played well against Calgary, but Colorado should just be better. And <clears throat> this might be a mistake based on the series score now, Mac, but we agreed <laughs> and we're putting it out for the record that if the Dallas Stars beat Colorado in any amount of games, whether it be a sweep or game seven over time, we will reenact the classic Simpsons steamed ham skit on this show, sound effects and all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we agreed to it, so we're not going to go back on it. No, including the song. We, we have to do the song. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about this series now. Yeah, uh, well, if you're Colorado, I wouldn't quite say panic, but ooh, a couple real mm. bad games for the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't inspire much confidence in me at this point, Mac. You, you lose <laughs> game one. Uh, it was 3 4 nothing, from what I remember. It wasn't a good game. And then you have a another bad game. You lose 5 2 last night. And they, they, the thing with the Avalanche is they, yeah, they lost 5 3. And they, the thing is, these first two games, they were they haven't really been in any of them, if you know what no. I mean, Matt. You just yeah. 
they seem off and they aren't scoring goals. And I think one thing a lot of us probably thought is because they played Arizona, who was basically just Darcy Kemper. Yeah. We thought they were terrible. Well, yeah. The, the like Avalanche. They played a terrible team and absolutely dominated and beat up on them. So everyone was thinking, oh, man, if they keep playing like this, you know, they're going to go a long way. They might even win it this year. But like you said, like just Dallas played better in both games and they deserve to win both games. They've been better defensively. You've got Sagan going, Radulov's going now, Pavelski's been huge for Dallas, huge addition. And really, like, I gotta be honest, aside from the goalies and Nathan McKinnon and maybe Kale McCarr, I haven't noticed anyone else on the Avs do a whole lot in this series. And I think Nathan McKinnon's been ridiculous, (laughs) like... But well, that's you not get more from Rantanen, Landeskog, Kadri, anyone. You need more. He can't win this series alone. It's too difficult against a very good defensive team. And and let's give credit to Anton Hudobin, who might be the most underrated goalie in the league. I mean, this guy has been an absolute stud for the Stars. Yeah, he has. He has been rock solid in that. He's been a brick wall when they needed him to be brick a brick wall, and he's holding up back Nathan McKinnon more than anything else. And at this point, that's essentially all the the uh, Avalanche have. And I think that the that the Stars uh, they should win this series unless the Avalanche pull a three sixty in games three and four. And I'd love to say they will, Mac, because... It's tough, yeah. It's going to be really tough. And if yeah, if we did this show a couple of days ago before round two started, and I think just like everyone else, we were kind of caught off guard about how quickly round two was going to start. Mm-hmm. If we did this a couple of days ago, we would have said Colorado is probably going to beat Dallas in five or six. And I'm not going to make that prediction anymore. I, I will state for the record that when Mac asked me on Saturday before the game, I said Colorado in five. But I can't go with that anymore. I think it'll be Dallas in five. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm just not seeing it from Colorado. And, and yes, they have the talent and ability to turn this around and win this series. But now you're playing against kind of a underdog that's playing extremely well and let's be honest had a really bad end to the regular season did not play well in the plans and they played calgary and calgary was a tougher series for them because they were kind of hot and cold that whole series but they've really come on lately they seem to be playing so much better as a team and defensively and the goaltending's been good they're physical they're big uh, you know miro heiskanen and john klingberg have been absolutely amazing and they they don't get talked about enough so yeah i just i'm gonna pick dallas as well and it's okay that we changed our minds at least we're being honest i'll take dallas in six and uh yeah it'll be really interesting to see what happens next round because i mean either way you're getting the canucks or the vegas golden knights and that's a really tough series Either way, but you look at how they've handled themselves in this 
he's opening two games against Colorado, and this team is certainly up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Vegas and Vancouver, this is the series that both you and I were probably most excited for because you've got a, a, not a young team in Vegas, but you've got an exciting, fun team to watch in Vegas, and you've got a young, exciting team in Vancouver. And as we mentioned off the top of the show, the first game really didn't live up to our high expectations whatsoever. But I'm not too worried about the Canucks here, Mac. It was a stinker of a game one. It happened. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting them to have a real good performance tonight. I don't see why they wouldn't. And I I think this is going to be a long, fun series. I think this will be like the Blues and and Canucks series from round one where pretty much every game is must-watch hockey because it's going back and forth. There's lots of action, great goaltending, great defense. And I don't know about you, Mac, but for me what it comes down to at the end of the day with this series on who wins is who's going to outduel each other. Is it going to be Markstrom outdueling Leonard or is it going to be Leonard outdueling Markstrom? The two perennial free agent goaltenders potentially mm-hmm. this offseason. <laughs> Huh. And and I I had Vancouver Mac on Saturday, and even after a stinker of a game one, I got to stand by one of my okay. picks here. And okay. it's not going to be easy, but I, I just like how Vancouver's been playing. They've got a they've got a great youth movement going on there, but it's also been complemented by some veterans like JT Miller, who's had a a very good year, and of course Jacob Markstrom's been playing out of his mind. I don't think that's going to stop and even if Markstrom needs a night off you've got Thatcher Demko who still has yet to prove himself in my opinion but he can be a solid backup option there and I think overall Vancouver with Pedersen and Horvat and Pearson and Miller I just and Hughes in particular Mm -hmm. I just think that Vancouver can pull off the upset here and I want to see an upset in this playoffs and to me this is the one however mm. I'm as I'm sure you're about to do there's a very good case for Vegas to win this series with all mm-hmm. the depth and, and talent they've got yeah I mean well what what can you say about Vegas that hasn't already been said I mean everybody knows how much we love Mark Stone um you know Stastny's back. He's healthy. They made the right choice in starting Leonard. And we have to mention the tweet that Alan Walsh tweeted out, Marc-Andre Fleury's agent. If you haven't seen this, the tweet has been deleted, but it, it was all over the internet when he tweeted it out. So basically, it's a photo of Marc-Andre Fleury making a save, and there's a sword through his chest like he's dying. And the sword is marked DeBoer. <laughs> but he got stabbed in the back. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny that he chose to do this because the way Marc Andre Fleury responded is kind of how I expected him to respond. I mean, he is fully supportive of Robin Leonard as the number one goalie for this playoff run, as he should be. And he's a great teammate. And I think he probably knows, yeah, my best days are behind me but I still have a chance to win another Stanley Cup. And if I have to, 
you know, play once in a while and not be the number one goalie, I'm okay with that because Laner deserves it. And, you know, Walsh took the photo down. Fleury asked him to do it. So, yeah, that was that was quite something. Yeah, it was quite something. And I think that this series is going to be the best. I think that really all the series have so much potential and it's and the amount of teams continue to wither down and of course the I I should mention the NHL bubble yet again no positive covid tests for over a month now the NHL is just looking so professional here Mac they've been they're they're going to be the model worldwide I think until this is over of how yeah. one should be playing professional sports in a global pandemic whether we need to do this again next season and hopefully we don't or you know maybe another pandemic 50 years from now you know i think the nhl has done a very good job they deserve to be praised for that and i'm excited to see how this second round unfolds we could either be bang on here matt or more than likely we will be completely off base as we usually are but that just tells you the unpredictability of hockey and that's what makes it so great yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I think that just about wraps it up for this episode. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we finish off here? Uh, not this time. I I think we should both mention that the NHL 21 rant, along with Steam Hams, is probably coming. <laughs> <laughs> and you should absolutely stick around for that because it will be a hoot. I, I will mention that we do have one more platform that we're on. Uh, I'm trying to get our shows up on YouTube. It is mm-hmm. under Center Ice Podcast, I believe. And if you happen to be a big YouTube person and you want to tune into us there, you are more than welcome to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think both of us would love to thank you for all the support and all the listens on our last few shows. Uh, we appreciate all the new and old listeners coming back or listening to us for the first time. We hope you enjoy this show once again. We're presented by the National Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at NationalPodNet and find other great hockey podcasts as well. Remember to follow us on Twitter as well at Center Ice Radio. We're trying to cover the playoffs to the best of our ability and, and give you updates as we have them. But once again, thank you for listening. Take care. Enjoy the games. For Matt, this is Max signing off. Take care, guys.